0: Um, Okay, we're in chapter 14 uh, this morning, the process of discipleship, and of course we've spent the last couple of times looking at the issue of discipleship, and that to really be disciples of Christ, we've got to be following him into the realm of our newness of life and as I've pointed out a whole lot of attempts at discipleship are based in trying to really train the old man to do certain things and really all that's doing is trying to make the old man look like a disciple he the old man will never really be a disciple of Christ He can't be Uh, To be a disciple, you know, you've got to be a follower, and to be a follower of Christ, he is not operating in the realm of the old, he's operating in the realm of the new. And so, we've got to come to that place of dying to self, being willing to die to self, and, uh, you know, to, uh, on a daily basis, embrace that new life that we have in Christ, Now, chapter 14 is entitled, The Process of Discipleship, because there really is a a process to it. It's not like a new believer just suddenly says, okay, I'm going to die to self, and I'm going to recognize my old man's crucified, and and I'm going to follow Christ in this newness of life. No. No. uh, pretty much invariably the new believer is going to set out to try to do his best uh, to uh, live for Christ he's going to try to do it through the energy of the flesh and so there is a process in which God brings us from that place to the place where we're willing to say "You know, I am willing to embrace the cross to deal with with who I am apart from Christ, you know, I am willing to count myself dead to, to, uh, my, to self and really begin to uh, see myself alive unto Him. And so that's what chapter 14 is going to be addressing is the process God takes us through to bring us to that point. Now he starts out, he says, In the parable of the sower, the seed sown on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Luke 8.15 The principle of growth is always first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full uh, corn in the ear. Mark 4.28 Therefore, the husbandman, the farmer, uh, waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it. As this exemplifies, he that believeth shall not make haste," Isaiah 28:16. Now this thing back in the Mark passage, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. There is a growth process. You know, when you plant a seed, first of all, you have that blade spring forth and then that blade grows up. And ultimately, uh, that blade turns into something which produces fruit. And the same is true in the Christian life. There is a process to our development. We started out as new believers, And we were that little blade just starting out. And then we grow. And we come to more and more maturity. But as he's going to deal with, you know, there's a point where, you know, we've grown in the Lord. And we begin to look pretty good. But we still are not to that place of really being fruit bearers. Because we still haven't come to that place of really counting ourselves dead to the old and alive to who we are in Christ. He says, for most of us, let me put this up here, for most of us it's been a long season of growth from the tiny blade to the full corn in the ear. Uh, I think looking around this room, most of us have been believers for quite a while. And there's been a long season of growth for us. And he says, so many seek to settle for this stage, saved with heaven assured, plus a pacifying measure of Christian respectability, at least in church circles. And that, I think, is a very true statement. You know, a lot of believers, they get to a point in their Christian life, and they're satisfied with it. You know, they've grown, they look Christian, they sound Christian. You know, uh, in church, uh, you know, they go to church with others who look Christian and sound Christian, and, and they enjoy just that, that fellowship together. Uh, they're respectable in uh, uh, Christian circles. And he says, here we have the believer As a normal kernel of wheat containing life inside a more or less shiny golden covering in fellowship high up on the stalk with similar kernels of wheat. You know, we we all, we look very much alike in the Lord and, and, you know, yeah, we get together, we enjoy our fellowship. But he says, this is but a stage, not a goal. Is part of the process. And he says, Like middle age, this can be a dangerous stage. One of seeking a much deserved rest. You know, man, i it's been a long journey in my Christian life. Man, I, I just need to be able to coast some now. And he says, of basking aimlessly in the fellowship of meetings, classes, etc. And then of ignoring and forgetting the struggles and growing pains of the tiny greed blades down at one's feet and expecting and exhorting them to shape up and mature without delay. And it's easy to do that. You know, we've come to a point in our Christian life and we look at At young believers and they're struggling and they're doing stupid things Uh, and it's kind of like get your act together we lose sight of the grace that God has showered upon us to bring us to the point we're at and you know it's, it's easy to have this hard shell on us That, you know, we look good, we sound good, you know, people see us and they respect us. And to kind of think, this is it. And yet, that's not, it's like he says, this is but a stage, it's not the goal. God isn't trying to bring us to this place where we just look great and we all get together and we have a great fellowship together. And we're uh, having very little impact on the lost and dying world around us. See so he says, this is a very cozy but cost but this is very cozy, but costly, snug but sterile. You know, the seed corn may be beautiful, but it's hard. And I've known a lot of believers in my life who, you know, look really good, but they're very hard. And they have really very little time for those who are struggling, for those who are failing. Very little grace to show those down there. He says, you know, this hard, beautiful coating has locked up in it the germ of life. It can't get out. And it, therefore, he says producing nothing and this he says is the reason why so many christians even preachers are so unfruitful only one here and there is a soul winner when the grain of corn is buried it dies and that hard surface softens and decays in order to give nutriment to the young sprout which would otherwise die and thus cause a crop failure See, for, for that germ of life that we have to share with others to get out, he says, one must reckon himself to the dead, uh, to the hard, cold, selfish eye, before the softening influence of the Holy Spirit can operate, qualifying the believer for service, for the service of God. Every believer has within him that potential to be life-giving to others. But he says, in order for that to happen, we have to come to the place of reckoning ourselves dead to that hard, cold, selfish eye. It's not about me. It's not about you. And until we're willing to die to self and quit having everything focused on us, we aren't going to become fruit bearers. Now this is so contrary to the world we live in. Where the focus is very much on everybody, you know, looking out for themselves. Determining who they are. You know, nowadays you can even determine what gender you are and all this other stuff. It's all very focused on the I. And yet he says for that germ of life to escape from us, that germ of life that will bring life to others, we've got to be willing to die to that cold, hard eye. And this, I think, is very, very true. He says, many want to do God's work, but are unable because of the flesh in their lives. There are a lot of believers who want to do God's work. You know, I've had this up every week. The old man... And here at the bottom, I have any attempts for the Christian life, uh, at the Christian life and service, is for him. Yeah, uh, you know, the believer who is walking in the flesh, I'm not saying that he doesn't have a desire to, to serve God. But he wants to do something for God. True Christian life and service are through Christ. Anything that God has accomplished through me in the years has been through Christ. Anything I have attempted to do for Him has come to naught. And early on in my Christian life, I was very much on this side. I was trying to do things for Christ. With good intention. But inability. And it took a while for me to begin to understand some of these truths. And it's taken a lot for God to, to soften me in many areas. And I'm, there's still areas, I'm sure, that, I, that there's still hardness that needs to be broken down. But it was, again, there at Waukesha that God really broke me and brought me to understand His grace. and how gracious he is to me day in day out year in year out and how easy it's not to be gracious to others and it took him go take me through a lot of things to bring me to that point but i still thank him almost daily for his grace and that his grace lets me be a part of what he's doing. I do not see involvement involvement with in ministry of any sort being something I am expected to do for God. I find it to be a privilege that he has granted to me. God's got a myriad of angels. He could do it through them. He could... Proclaim the message himself. But he has chosen to let me be part of it. But it's only as I cling to him. He says our father understands all this. And he it is who takes the initiative in the matter. In an earlier chapter he said, God is the aggressor. He is the one who is pursuing us. God understands that we have in us this innate desire to be part of something that's enduring, but he's the one who's going to have to bring us to the place where we are willing to quit trying to do for him and and say, Lord, I I believe you when you say I died with Christ there at the cross and that my old man, my old Adamic nature is nailed to that cross. I want to leave it there and Lord I want to live this new life that I have in union with Christ. He has to bring us to that point. Says he drops the seed of dissatisfaction into a heart. He begins to show us there is far more to the Christian life than just being saved and active for him. He says it's necessary for him, for God, to engineer our exchange from carnal kernel Christians to fruitful, fellowshipping disciples. And there's an infinite number of ways, he says, that he chooses to use. The way that God has worked in my life to bring me to the place I am, and the place, uh, the way he's working in your life, may be very, very different. There are different things that break down that hard outer coat on each of us. Some things that will affect me would have no effect on you whatsoever. And vice versa. He says he chooses the the most effective way for each individual. And in the hand of the husbandman... The, you know, the farmer who's growing us again is that's a I guess a very common uh, uh, analogy used in Scripture that God is developing us like a plant. He says, "In the husband, in the hand of the husband, there is no fear but freedom." If I really trust God, I don't have to fear what he's taking me through. Because I know what he's taking me through is for the purpose of moving me from this to really embracing all that I am and have in Christ. And at times it may be a painful process. But it is to our benefit in the end. He goes on to say, we often come across Christians who are bright and clever and strong and righteous. In fact, a little too bright. A little too clever. There seems so much of self in their strength, and their righteousness is severe and critical. Jerry's nodding his head. He's seen a few. Go to seminary. Huh? Go to seminary. Yeah. Go to seminary. Yeah. 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 You find these, you know. Again, they they look good, but they have that hard shell. They sound good. They're bright. They're clever. They're strong. They're righteous. But they're severe in their dealing with others and they're critical. There's nothing of the grace of God being seen in them. He says they have everything to make them saints except crucifixion. Which would mold them into a supernatural tenderness. And limitless charity towards others. He says supernatural tenderness. It's not something that comes natural to us. Limitless charity towards others doesn't come naturally to us. It's only the Lord that can produce that in us. Again, you know, I've seen so many in my life, and I've been there. You know, to look good, sound good, but just really not have the charity towards others that the Lord has towards us. If anything has... Changed me in many ways and continues. It's is the awareness of how charitable God is to me. Every single day. I see more and more how I deserve less and less what God does for me. And I realize that He wants to show that same charity through me towards others oftentimes the ones who least deserve it he says but if they are the the real elect god those he has chosen to serve him god has a wine press doesn't sound fun but he has a wine press prepared for them through which they will someday pass. Again, it's in His timing, which will turn that metallic hardness of their nature into gentle love, which Christ always brings forth at the last of the feast. It's interesting that he says that Christ always brings forth at the last of the feast. You know, it's, it's more towards the end of our Christian life here. I think that oftentimes this comes out. And I know, you know, J- Jerry leads our senior group. And our, our prayer as our group is that here in these latter years of our lives that... Christ might really be seen in us by the younger generation who are coming on behind us, that by this point in our lives that God will have broken down a lot of that hard outer shell. What's sad is when you find people our age who are who are bitter and and hard and and, and things. And you think, you know, what's happened? Because God's desire, especially if we're believers, is that as we grow. Yeah, we start out as that little blade and, and we grow up and we, as we mature we begin to look good and look Christian. But God wants to bring us to that place of softness and gentleness and, and graciousness. To minister to others. He says another parable he put forth unto them saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to man which sowed good seed in his field. He that soweth the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. And this is from Matthew 13 and he uh, drawing from verses 24, 37, and 38. And he says, The Lord of the harvest plants and buries Christians in seeds in a field, which is the world. He has you and me, each at different places, planted out here in this world. And he says that through the um, the... A uh, husbandman's patient and loving cultivation. The grain of wheat high on the stalk begins to fear being garnered alone. And hungers to bring forth much fruit. I trust that each of us as we grow in the Lord that we come to that place that we hunger to bring forth fruit. That we want God to use our lives in a fruitful way, and the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us that you know uh, he has put eternity in our hearts. And what does the writer mean? I think he's talking about the fact that we all want our lives to accomplish something of eternal value, of lasting value in the world. This is seen in a lot of different ways. Today you have those who their desire to leave their mark forever is to save the environment. Or this or that, you know. There's all sorts of things that uh, or people build monuments to themselves through their uh corporation or or through their place in government. You know, they want to make a mark. They don't want to think that they lived to their 70 plus years or whatever here on earth and their life meant nothing. We have that desire. And our desire should be that when we are gone... That the new lives that were encouraged through us will go on. And they will result in other new lives coming forth and being, and growing in the Lord. That our life, as we become a disciple of Christ, will lead others to become disciples of Christ. I don't want anybody to become a disciple of Rick Barth. I want some. I want others to become a disciple of Christ. And so he says. He begins to produce in us this longing to produce much fruit. And he says, "Here is God's motivation for discipleship: that filial heart hunger for fruit bearing. That and philalel having to do with a." And loving fondness to friendship, this, this oneness with God in this. We want to bear forth His fruit. And so that brings us to the point where He said, He, he that is the believer, finally pleads to be made fruitful at any cost. And then he hears the Lord say, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. John twelve twenty four. Mark eight thirty five says, Whoever shall lose his life for my sake in the gospels shall save it. Now I know... People often read that verse and they think, well, he's talking about martyrdom. You know, if we're willing to lose our life for Christ's sake and and the gospel. You know, I don't think he's talking about martyrdom there. He says, am I willing to die to myself? My time here on earth ceasing to be about me. Me. If I'm willing to die to myself for his life, you know, for the, for, uh, for the gospel's sake, he says in reality I'll save it. Because that's the only way that really makes sense. If you're talking about martyrdom, he who lose, uh, loses his his, uh, his his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. Well, if you've lost it in martyrdom, you've lost it. It's gone. I mean, yeah, you're going into eternity. But he's saying, if you're willing to die to to yourself here in time, if you're willing to do it, For the sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel. He says, you will find life. You will find what life is all about. Because instead of God repairing your life, he will begin to let you appreciate Christ's life within. True life is found in him. Says, in loving response to this hunger, the Holy Spirit silently and gently begins to loosen the grain from its comfortable bindings and supports in the kernel. And then he quotes from Mark 429. And when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest is come. He says, As, as a result. Sooner or later, the grain of wheat finds itself not high up on the stalk, but dropped into the earth, into the cold, strange darkness. And still worse, the earth smears and injures that nice, shiny coat. Worst of all, the coat begins to disintegrate and fall to pieces. He says... All that is not Christ, no matter how nice in appearance and profession, is revealed for what it is, just self.
1: In this, you know, I was thinking, we have to be so aware of that. It it, certainly is not like, okay, I I, I realized it and now I'm done with the old man. Well, not, because he shows up. You know, the, the glory of this is... Realizing what's going on and what needs to happen. I mean, just yesterday I was well over here in my flesh bill, and all sorry about for myself about something, and I was sitting in my chair thinking, "Lord, here I am. Misery is mine when I'm sitting here all about me. Never does it bring peace and comfort and rest. And I don't want to stay here. I want to." I want to learn from this and for it to be that I move over and embrace who I am in Christ. And you know there was sweet rest that came to me there. But it's good for us to know what's happening. Because you know you, you have have you ever done this Had a wonderful time with the Lord and your time in the morning and then in, in an hour and you're a mess. And you're like, oh, what happened? Well, this is what happened. We stepped over into who we are in self, and there's
0: nothing for us. But we know what the answer is. Yeah. Yeah. Again, when we were at Waukesha, there were, you know, different things God really used in my life. And he used uh, a lot of things in Ireland, too, to teach me things. But, you know, there for a while, I, I had adrenal fatigue, and I had a year of pretty severe Depression. And you know, when you're like that, you really know that you have nothing to offer. And yet, God was so faithful to me that year. I just know, I remember going to class in the mornings and crying on the way there, and saying, God, I have nothing, nothing to give these students. And every day, He gave me words. And that, that year, the seniors actually asked me to speak at their graduation. And I remember that morning just feeling so unworth, unable. And I, I remember we, we were all gathered together before the program started. And I turned to one of the girls who was graduating. And I said, just pray for me, Mary Beth. I said, I have nothing And the Lord used her to encourage me. She said, Rick, just walk to the podium and tell, you, tell us how much you love us and we will be satisfied. And that encouraged me enough to walk in there and to speak and the Lord brought me through it. But like I can say the Lord did a lot over the years to really break me down. And to show me what He can do when we get out of the way. When it ceases to be about us. When it begins to become about Him. The power He has. It's one of the hardest years of my life, but it was in many ways probably one of the best years of my life. Because I came to see God in ways that probably had never seen him before. Especially as one who who carries us when we can't go forward ourselves. But he says, you know, there's a further stripping down to the germ of life, right down until there is nothing left but Christ who is our life. I think that year he did strip me down. There wasn't much left. Of me, except what was of Christ. And he says, Down, down into death, patience, grain of wheat, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Then he has a piece of poetry here. I'm not the best at reading poetry, but I will attempt. Except it fall into the ground and die, can much fruit come alone at such a cost? Must the seed corn be buried in the earth, all summer joy and glory seemingly lost? He buries still his seed corns here and there, and calls to deeper fellowship with him. Those who will dare to share the bitter uh, cup... And yet, while sharing, sing the triumph hymn. Except it fall into the ground and die, but what a harvest in the days to come, when the fields stand thick in golden sheaves of corn, and you are sharing in the harvest home. To you who lose your life and let it die, yet in the losing find your life anew. Christ evermore unveils his lovely face, and thus his mirrored glory rests on you. He says, you know, when the believer takes up his cross for discipleship, the process of death begins to set in. You know, the disciple finds himself a seed sown by the sun, planted in a home, office, hospital, church, man's, or mission station. He says, whatever or wherever it is, there will be death from which resurrection life will flow. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. 2 Corinthians four eleven and 12. He says, we need to enter deeply into the truth that Christ, the beloved Son of the Father, could not enter into the glory of heaven until he had first given himself over to death, And this great truth is open to us. As it opens to us will help us understand how in our life and in our fellowship with Christ it's impossible for us to share his life until we have in every deed surrendered ourselves every day to die to sin and self and the law and the world and and so to abide in unbroken fellowship of discipleship with our crucified and risen Lord. We've got to come to that place. And it's not something we can manufacture. That's what he's saying earlier. God is the one that's got to bring us along. We respond to him. But I can't say today, okay, I'm going to make up my mind and I'm going to die to self. God's going to bring you along and you just have to by faith respond each step of the way and come to that place where you begin to realize the Christian life's not about me. Who I was when I came to Christ went with him to the cross and I now have a new life in Christ. And that's where I want to live. Now he says, P.S. All the truths we have learned about the cross uh, of our death with Christ, our death unto sin with him, of our conformity to death like the corn of wheat falling into the ground to die, are preparatory for the overcoming life. They are foundation of and fundamental to it. So until we really begin to understand what it means to count ourselves dead to the old and alive unto the new. Until we begin to understand that our old man is crucified. Until we begin to, by faith, take God at his word because he says this in his word. Until we come to that point, we really are not going to begin to, uh, to um, experience the, the potential life we have in Christ. As long as we're trying to fix our old life, it's all going to come to naught. But hopefully, we like Paul, will all come to that Romans 7 experience and say, God, the good I want to do, I can't do. And the evil I don't want to do, I I continually do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who's going to deliver me? Thanks be to Christ. Provisions there. And then we can begin to see, yes, I died with Christ. My life is no longer about me. It is about Him. I died with Him and I was raised with Him. I have a new life with Him. And I want to live there in that new realm. Okay, we actually made it through the chapter again. We'll break now till uh, August because next Sunday is Prayer Sunday, and uh, then July, they're taking uh, uh, all the Sunday schools are taking off for that month. Uh, so we'll pick up with Chapter 15 uh, in August.
1: Some people have
0: been asking about your surgery and all. Yeah, yeah. I'm, i probably I'll have to get somebody to cover the Sunday school the first Sunday. In August, I'm having uh, surgery on my foot. Uh, My heel bone is kicked out to the side, and that's what gives me a lot of problems with my ankle. I won't be able to put weight on it for two months after that, uh, but I don't have to be able to put weight on it to be up here. So it's August 4th, yeah. So yeah, you can be praying for that. I'm hoping uh, I mean with my knee replacement, I was back 2 weeks later. I don't know. I'm hoping I can snap back pretty quick on this. Uh, but we'll see. What?
1: This is a little different. Yeah, it's a little different. a bit more intense. Jackie Burrows doing the surgery. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Bill Burrows' son. Is doing the surgery. So, yep. So, yeah, first Sunday in August. I don't know who we'll have here, uh, but as soon as I can get back, we will be getting back into uh, and, and completing the book. Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we do thank you now just for who we are and what we have in Christ. Lord, you are so gracious. Lord, I think of the fact that. We deserve absolutely nothing from you. But you have made us complete in Christ. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Lord, you let us, call us to become involved with you in the magnificent work you're doing. An eternal work. Lord, may we come to that place where we're willing to die to self. And really live as unto Christ. Where his life is seen. Lord we live in a world where people need to see Christ. It doesn't need to see Christians who are are faking it real well. They need to see those who truly have the life of Christ radiating forth. May we be some of those people. For in his precious name we pray. Amen.